Welcome back to the Branding Blog Podcast. I'm Dave Young, and I got involved with uh, with a company called Scribendi uh, several years ago. Wrote some copy for their website, and got to know the founder of the company a little bit, and uh, reconnected with her uh, a few weeks ago. As uh, Paul Boomer and I, if, if you've been following the podcast, we're, we're starting a company called Shortcut Blogging. And we're actually going to use Scribendi to help us rewrite transcripts into blog posts. And uh, when, when we were talking with uh, Scribendi founder Chandra Clark, uh, I asked her if she'd be a guest on the podcast because we've got a lot of things to talk about. She has built a business, so she's got that experience under her belt. And uh, the services that she offers for businesses, for academics, for uh, lots of folks are uh, pretty interesting. And if, if you struggle with writing, if you struggle with m- just getting it right, uh, this, is, this is a good company for you to get to know. Hi, Chandra. How are you today? I'm great. How about you? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Branding Blog Podcast. I really oh, appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. It. And uh, things have been going well for Scribendi? Absolutely, yeah. We've uh, we've been having a really good year, and uh, well, t- 2011 was a really good year, and, and this one's shaping up to be the same way, so we definitely can't complain. Well, that's good. Now, you're in um, Chatham, is that right? Char- yeah, Chatham, Ontario, in Canada. Is that, it's a, uh, just outside Toronto? Yeah, it's about three hours southwest of Toronto. <laughs> okay, um, so it's not uh, just outside. <laughs> not quite. It's, it's a little bit of a drive. But uh, a better reference for, for maybe some of your listeners would be we're about an hour's drive uh, from Detroit. So okay, right close so... To- on the way to yeah. from Detroit to Toronto. Okay, I've I've driven through there once or twice uh, through that that neck of the woods uh, up to Stratford and then down to Ontario or down right. to Toronto. Right. So beautiful area. Well, now you started this business in uh, 1997, and before we really get into some of the services that you provide, um, tell me about you before '97. What what led to this? What's your background? My background was, first of all, as a reporter, I worked uh, in many of the local newspapers, uh, first as a stringer, and then uh, worked my way up to being a reporter full-time, and then uh, was a managing editor shortly before I started the business. So, uh, And uh, because this is uh, both an urban and a rural area, I did everything from municipal council to, uh, you know, farm reporting and and so forth, so. All right, well, we've got that, uh, those journalism genes in our blood, that... That's For something sure. that kind of takes over your. Uh, I mean, it, it 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 does gets in your blood. It, yeah. it, it becomes something that you're, you're always kind of interested in. So, um, what led to you deciding that that uh, getting into the editing and proofreading business w- was something that you wanted to do? Were, were you doing some freelance things, and and it kind of led to that, or did you just see a need and decide to step in? A little bit of both, actually. First of all, uh, by the time I had reached managing editor. Um, it was it was time for me to branch out on my own. I'd, I'd done the sort of employee thing and uh, can be an employee and, and so forth and didn't have any issues that way. But uh, I'm, I'm much more fond of uh, basically hearing the sound of my own voice and being in charge. <laughs> so I decided to strike out on my own and, and do that uh, and took on some editing and proofreading work myself while also freelance writing. Uh, as you, as I'm sure you know, it's it can be tough sometimes to, to get freelance writing gigs, and, and especially if you're just starting out, uh, even if you do have a background in, in writing and, and have a portfolio already. There's, there's lots of competition. Mm-hmm. So I took on editing and proofreading work and shortly found myself with more work than I knew what to do with, uh, which is always a good thing. And the other reason why I knew there was editing and proofreading work available is because as managing editor, I had seen a number of press releases coming through um, Mm -hmm. from 
what should have been, you know, very professional organizations that were badly spelled, um, really bad grammar, uh, you know, awkward constructions, not exactly on message. So I, I knew there was a market for it. Um, I'm also something of a geek. Uh, I'll, I'll admit that up front. And I've, I've had a long time interest in things like robotics and automation and so on. So when I discovered I had more work than I knew what to do with, uh, I built a, uh, the very beginnings of, of the Scribendi website and a back-end uh, system for making assignments to editors and so forth. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. So you did all the programming yourself? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that's cool. And so, so basically, I mean, it, it, t- tell me where I'm wrong here, but, but Scribendi as a company is, um, it's a source for, for editing and proofreading. And you have, I don't, I don't know whether you, do you consider your employees outsourcing or do you, do you consider them kind of, kind of your own people? Oh, no, we definitely consider them our own people. Okay. We have, uh, we're ISO 9000, uh, uh, 9001-2008 certified, so we have special processes in place and uh, quality guarantees and everything else like that. So we very much stand behind everything that we do, and we have processes for investigating concerns and, and everything else. So we're, we're not an outsourced organization. It's it's a company, and, and uh, we're behind the work all the way. Okay. And and so uh, for people that don't know ISO, I've... I've, I've I'm, I'm no expert on it. I, I know some businesses that uh, I've, I've had some clients that that's that's kind of a uh, you know where they've planted their flag. So that we're we're really talking about a, an exacting um, process with proofs and that's certifications. Right, yeah. We have to we we signed on for the for the ISO certification program. I guess it's about three years ago now. Okay. And what happens with that is that, uh, first of all, you have to set out a, a quality manual and you have to set up uh, specific processes and document them and look to make sure you, you have to have internal audits every month to make sure that you're following your own stated processes. And if you see room for improvement, you note that, you make the improvements and so on. And then we are externally audited uh, every year. And okay. uh, we have to pass those audits and so forth to maintain our certification. So it's pretty strict, but uh, it's been well worth it for us. And, and it makes a it makes a reliable experience for your customers. Then yes, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Yes. If if somebody submits something to you uh, this week and then they, they don't do anything again, they know that six months from now they're going to get the same experience. That's right. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's see. So programming, finding people. Uh, what, what have been some of the biggest challenges? So this is your 15th year, right? Yes, that's if correct. If I did my math right, 2012 <laughs> minus 1997. Okay. Um, what, what, what was the growth curve like, and, and what were some of the biggest challenges along the way? The, the growth curve for us initially was fairly conservative, um, and that's because in the, in the beginning, of course, I, I wore pretty much all the hats apart from the actual editing and proofreading. Uh, I was the webmaster, I was the bookkeeper, I was the salesperson and marketing and everything like that. My partner, uh, Terrence Johnson, joined me in 2003, and that's when we started getting really serious about growth, and we discussed uh, some things with a management, strategic management consultant, and got, uh, the, the problem with running a business, as I'm sure all of your listeners know, is that you get caught up in day-to-day operations, mm-hmm. and it's really, really hard sometimes to back out and get out of the bunker and, you know, get up to 35,000 feet and see the, the long-term view and what you should and could be doing. 
And uh, so we hired a strategic management consultant and uh, had quite a few sessions with, with him. And we got down to, you know, okay, this is where we want to take the business and, and built out the steps that we needed to, to get there. And that's when things really, really started taking off for us. That was also concurrent with us with hiring more people, and uh, for for both Terence and myself, it's it's been a process. We would like to call it taking off all our hats, <laughs> but, you know, divesting ourselves of hats uh, as as quickly as we can. Ever since then, well, that's kind of that's kind of the, uh, the the old um, Gerber E Myth model, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. you you kind of build that job, and you have to run it till you can afford to to put somebody in it. That's right. Yeah, and it's 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 always a it's always a judgment call for, for smaller businesses. You know, there always seems to be that awkward phase where you have too much for one person to do, but you don't know whether to make the jump and hire that other person because you start thinking, oh gosh, you know, can I afford to, to hire them? What happens if we don't make enough? What happens if they don't perform well? You know, what am I going to do about laying them off? And especially if you don't have any experience in managing people or, or mm-hmm. you know, g- getting performance from people and everything, it, uh, it can be a scary first step. So, um, as, as you started... And, and you found some editors, uh, some, some people to do the proofreading and editing. W- was it still a pretty much local uh, enterprise, or, or did you start uh, bringing in proofreaders and editors from, uh, from other places, from, from outside your town? We've actually been pretty much globally based since the beginning. They're, uh, both in terms of the, the number of employees and where they come from, and also in terms of our customers. Uh, you know, most of our work initially came from the U.S. and, you know, living in Canada, of course, that's an export market for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, we, we've diversified now to the point where we do business in uh, more than 69 countries around the world. Wow. And, yeah, and we now have uh, uh, employees in uh, pretty much every time zone in the world. That's pretty cool. So, so you can get a, a response or, or you just, is that just happenstance? No, that was de- that was deliberate on our part. What we wanted, because we provide our services on a twenty four seven basis. So you know, Christmas Christmas Day we're open, uh, New Year's we're open, and uh, you know, Chinese New Year we're open, and and the whole bit. So, uh, you know, that's that was deliberate on our part to to source uh, our staff uh, all over the world. Now, I, I also know that um, it, all all of your editors are. Um, I don't know what, what the term you use, I think, is native English speakers. That's correct, yeah. So people that, that grew up in an English-speaking country and uh, are expert at editing and proofreading documents for the English language. That's but right. Yeah. For different versions of the English language as well. That's true. Yes, we and translating from English to English. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely some variations between American English, Canadian English, uh, Australian English, and and UK English, and even South African English too, for that matter. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there, there's there's definitely a lot of uh, mixed mixed skill sets that we have available. And and I know just from uh, well, it, it is probably less of an issue between the U.S. and Canada, but um, you can really get yourself in trouble. Uh, Without without having somebody take a look at it, uh, taking documents that you've written, marketing material, anything really, uh, from the U.S. and uh, head to Australia with it, uh, you you can you can kind of put your foot in the mouth in your mouth in in a big hurry if you're not careful. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. One example I, I like to use was just a, a touch risque to to warn your to, to warn. Oh, I bet I know what it is. <laughs> Quite possibly. Is it a sports uh, there's, thing? there's an expression in England where you you knock up. 
someone. You knock up someone. Okay. Knock up someone. So when you go knock up the publican or the fellow who owns the pub, what you're doing is you're, you know, metaphorically knocking on his door to find out when when he or she will be open. And of course, mm. as we know in the United States, when when you knock up someone is to make them pregnant. So I mean, tremendously different meanings here, and you oh, don't sure. want to get those yeah. kinds of things mixed up. Well, and and uh, another example is uh, in the U.S. we root for our favorite sports team. Mm-hmm. And you you don't do that in Australia. No. Uh, root is a, that's a different thing. That's <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can go find that. Uh, you know, for for anybody that wants to know, go you, go, go Google it. Yeah, I was going to uh, say everybody just reach for Google. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to keep my iTunes G ratings. <laughs> and there's uh, there's a number of of little uh, verbal landmines in Australia. I know, just I've, I've been down there enough. It, it makes it kind of fun, but it, it can also be a challenge when you're. When you're writing, and especially speaking in a in a conversational voice, yes, you know, that that can really be a challenge. Uh, sometimes uh, official language or academic language, um, just because you, you don't use the local jargon, um, uh, it probably is a little bit safer. But but you still want to make sure that it's understandable wherever it, wherever your intended audience is. That's right. So, uh, just just to. Can can you give me just like some ballpark numbers? Like how many how many editors did you start with back in '97? Oh gosh, um, maybe about five, I think, to start with. And, and for uh, how long? Have, A few we have, years. We now have more than two hundred. Okay, so more than two hundred, and in yeah. every time zone. Uh, all working on on lots of things. Now let let's talk a little bit about about um, how have you how have you expanded your services, or did you just uh, did they did the um, did the uh, categories of service kind of make themselves self evident as as you we, went along? Yeah, that that was that was tough to begin with because it was difficult to know what the market was because at the time um, it was a fairly disruptive business model. Editing previous to that had always been done by you know a single person working on hard copy uh, with a red pen and also charging by the hour. Um, we were quite disruptive about it at the time because mm-hmm. it was digital for a start. It uh, was on screen and we did, you know, red ink, but it was uh, that the track changes within Microsoft Word and we charge by the word and by the turnaround time. And the advantage to that was that the, the end customer did and still does get a no surprises quote out of that. Um, they don't, you know, some editors are really quick, some editors are really slow, and you know, your, your budget for it would vary. So we were able to offer a, a set price, and, and that was that. Um, and I assume you, you pay your editors that way as well. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but in terms of the number of services we offer, we, we started out fairly simply with uh, book editing services, manuscript editing. And uh, I believe we also, yeah, the, the essay editing stuff that we did, we also started out with. And, okay. and we still offer those two services today. Um, but we've, we've since expanded uh, tremendously. Um, we, we offer things like manuscript critiques. Uh, business editing and proofreading, and more recently we've gotten into uh, blog editing and proofreading, and uh, that's that's one of our newest things. And we've developed a, a free plugin to have WordPress users be able to access our service uh, right from their WordPress dashboard. I think the plugin is brilliant. Um, Thank you. Well, just because you could set up your account with Scribendi, right, and then you, you after you put the plugin on your WordPress site, and then if you decide that you've got a post that you need a little help with. 
you can submit it and the, the billing takes place and, and it gets sent back into WordPress as a revision of the post, right? So I can yeah, just choose right. it and say, let's publish that one. That's right, yeah. I think that's so and cool. And it's, it's also the case that you can do that with a draft post or with one that's already been published. So if, you, oh, okay. if, you look, if you're looking back at some of your stuff and thinking, eh, gosh, maybe I should have this looked over, then yeah, that can happen too. So I can do that with a draft. I don't have to publish it first. And, that's and right, yeah. It all just goes through your uh, your magic that you did with the, <laughs> the, the magic sauce plugin. here, yeah. Um, how's that growing? I mean, is that, has that been a well-received? Yes, yeah. We've had a steady uptake of that since we launched it. And, uh, How long it's, has it's it been, been out? Since last uh, October, okay. so it's, it's it's still fairly new, and uh, we've we've had one WordPress update since then, which was uh, we we have to keep an eye on whenever WordPress updates <laughs> its programming and and so on, as any plugin developer knows. But uh, that's been written relatively simple. And what can you give me a, an idea of what kind of bloggers are are using it the most? At the moment, the the biggest thing we're seeing is the the sort of expert. Um, a space blogger, so someone who's uh, got advice on something and they write, you know, on productivity, for example, or um, investing, that kind of thing. Um, we're, we're seeing a little bit of the more casual blogger coming in, um, especially if they want to become better known and they want to be look, look professional and, mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, it's, it's definitely the case. I mean, I use our own services for every for everything that I produce. Um, just like the old, was it Remington commercials? I'm not only the president, but I'm also a client. <laughs> I think the hair club uh, for men does. Yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in any case, I use it because it's it's definitely the case that you never see your own mistakes. Um, I'm sure. famous for leaving at least one or two words out of a sentence uh, per thing that I put out, um, and you know, bloggers are no different. And it's it's much better to have, you know, your your comment space underneath the the, the blog post taken up with interesting discussion about the content rather than you know six people coming along and saying, oh, by the way, you missed a period on such and such because it yeah. just detracts from the conversation. Now, do you have um, when you when you talk about ISO nine thousand? So, so do you? I don't even know if this is possible, but maybe it is. Maybe you're already doing it. Do you guarantee the the grammar and the punctuation is going to be correct? Is that we have we have guarantees. We we do stand by our work, so that if you ever ever have a con, uh, concern about what's what uh, what we've done or anything like that, we'll, we'll review it again for you at no charge. That's not a problem. And but we do we do have to make it clear to a lot of our clients that there is a difference between the the first level edit and then the final draft proofread. Right. And that's that's something that's been difficult, especially since a lot of players have come into the market since we got uh, since we became as, as big as we are today. There's a lot of confusion between what the difference is between editing and proofreading. It's all coming back to me now because I, I had to I remember struggling with that as as I wrote some of the copy for you a couple of years ago. That's right. That's in right. That it's the it is a, a more uh, it's kind of the thirty thousand foot view versus the you know you're right on the ground, uh, right in there with every comma and period. And that's right. Yeah. So so we get a lot of clients who come to us who, for example, have written a a dissertation and they have you know been over it three thousand times. They don't see any of the stuff that they're doing you know incorrectly or even just awkwardly or whatever. And that's that's normal at that point. I mean, you see it so many times, you don't see it anymore. Um, but you know that they come in and they, it's due the next day and they say you know make it beautiful. And mm-hmm. uh, you know there there may you know we may come across a number of things. It's like well okay, but look you, you haven't explained this particular the point or you haven't provided backup for this particular thing and 
And uh, so we have to tell them, you know, look, this is this is going to require more than one pass, and and uh, you know, you, you're going to want to give yourself a little bit more time on on this. And and uh, but at the end of the day, they get a, a better product for it, so that's good. And and they spend less time going back and forth with the supervisor. You, you said something. Um and that you're talking about like academic papers, mm-hmm. um, that you 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 actually will tell the the writer that they need more uh, proof, more uh, substantiation for something that they may have said mm-hmm. in the paper. Yeah. So you so that that is a, a whole lot deeper than just editing. Yeah, so the, the the difference we we try to to get across to our, our customers in terms of editing and proofreading. Editing is for you know your initial draft or something that's never been seen by a, a second, or a third party or, or anything like that. So you know you've been looking at it, but you haven't shown it to anybody else yet. And what we will do is we will look you know not only at the you know the initial pass of the grammar, spelling, and the, the, the cleanup, but issues of content. So you know we won't do your research for you or we won't write it for you, but we'll say. Look, you know, you're not being clear on this point. Mm-hmm. We haven't provided enough backup for this. Uh, you, you need to, you know, you, you, this doesn't answer the the hypothesis you put at the beginning, or even in a business document. Um, as I'm sure anybody who's you know worked for any sort of corporation before <laughs> knows that. Uh, uh, Documents often get put together by committees, so you know, and you know, various people have their hands in it, and it's you know, you've got some stuff that's written very well, some stuff that's not written so well, and it's the job of the editor to make all of that flow and sound right, and make sure it's on message, got the right tone, it's appropriate for the audience, and so forth. So that's the editing process, and once you've been through one or two edits, possibly more, depending on how rough the document is to start with, then you need to go through the proofreading, and that's where you get down to the really nitpicky, you know, you know, exacting uh, standards for where the commas go, where the periods mm-hmm. go, quotation marks, and, and the uh, the final cleanup kind of thing. Uh, you guys also use, um, I'm not sure even how to put this, because I'm, I'm so far removed from academia, Sean, <laughs> that, that I know I, I, I mess up all the phrases, but... Um, your your customers can choose different styles, uh, like like for their references and and yes. So yeah, for example, if you use the Chicago manual style versus yeah, there, there's a number of different flavors of style guides out there. So we're familiar with all of the major ones. So yeah, as you say, Chicago, um, APA, MLA, Turabian, um, Harvard, all that kind of good stuff. So yeah, that will clean up the the references and the citations and, and make sure that's uh, and that's the stuff I know that every student. I was the same way doing my uh, my master's degree. It's you know by the time you're done the actual writing of the the thesis and whatnot, that you know the last thing you want to do is fiddle with that kind of stuff. So cause it's just annoying kind of stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the kinds of things that ever that, that kept me from ever going after a master's. <laughs> a couple of classes and a few times of of, of, of that just uh, I don't know. Yeah. And it's it's one of those rites of passage, isn't it? But it's it's still it's uh, it's the type of writing that you're going to do one time in your life and then never do again. It yeah, seems, yeah. For, in, for in a lot most of cases, people, that's for sure. Yeah. So you might as well get it right and and have Scribendi help you with it. Um, and not not have to worry about it. <laughs> to me, that's if I'd known about this, you know, back then, I I, I might have moved forward with something like that. We we get that a lot from from people we talk to about the business. From oh man, I wish I'd known about you in college. Yeah, that would that would have been great. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Now for college, you you, you kind of cover people from uh, from before they get into college to editing that doctoral dissertation. Right, yeah, from beginning yeah. to end. Um, yeah, so we I do everything the, from admissions essays right on through to the uh, to the dissertation. 
And so admissions essays, so for, for, the, for the schools uh, where, where those essays are all important, mm-hmm. uh, what, what does that cost for a student? Um, usually it's in the order, depending on the, the, the turnaround time that they're looking at, um, it's on the order of uh, $50 to $75. And uh, what we'll do with an admissions essay is it's, it's a little bit heavier edit even than our usual edit uh, because we know that what you're trying to do is convince the admissions committee that you know, you're worth a spot in the, uh, in the school that you're trying to get into. So we'll, uh, we'll edit heavily and, and also suggest things that might uh, help you improve your case and, and so forth mm-hmm. and uh, help you make the points that you want to make. I've got to remember to send a link to my kids. <laughs> Tell them I'll, I'll pay. Um, now, I, one another thing that, that kind of crossed my mind as, as you were talking about um, editing some of the academic documents, do you do much editing for marketing language for businesses? Yes. Because that's one of the things too. We we when we consult with our clients, uh, a lot of times you'll you'll get some copy, and it'll be uh, the the two things that come to mind are uh, unsubstantiated claims mm-hmm. and just general puffery. Yeah, uh, that that are just things where where you know somebody says, oh, this is like something something on steroids, or uh, you know, and it's it's some metaphor that that seems exciting but isn't provable isn't uh, uses isn't, a lot of words like leverage and synergy and, and well I'm, I'm not even thinking about that kind of stuff <laughs> i'm i'm thinking more of just just uh uh <laughs> just crazy uh commercial kind of language versus mm-hmm. uh, tell it like it is and and let people decide but yeah, I mean, I, I think some of the some of those others too. I, I I think that kind of stuff comes out of tech places. Two websites that I've I've uh, always been a fan of over the years, and they they never change. Uh, one is called Da Corp. Okay. You, you'll have to go look at these because they're a riot. Okay. D u h c o r p dot com. Okay. And the other one is Huh Corp. <laughs> so it's, and one of them is a tech. And they're fake. They're totally fake companies. Right. They're just brilliantly written, and and they're they're exactly that type of thing, right? So the, I think it's uh, uh, Duh Corp is is the uh, techno the techno company, and uh, it's just that kind of language. It, it's it's just a riot. And I'll pull it up while we're talking. But but so you can do that kind of editing too, where you can you can come back to a business and say, uh, you know, this really is stretching it or you if if you if you're going to say this kind of thing can you provide some proof yeah and and we'll also we'll catch companies up if they're using an awful lot of jargon or you know industry words that the average client's not going to know uh, or may not know and other things like you know not not no, the, the unsubstantiated claims are definitely um, a problem uh, also not being on message throughout all of their copy uh, you know and and putting out conflicting types of things. So, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're saying one thing on their about page and, and they might be saying something else on their, their product page or, or something like that with their website or, or with their brochures or trying to make sure, you know, that, that everything is where it's supposed to be and they're, and they're saying the same thing to the customers at all levels. And that's very important. Yeah. And uh, yeah, one of the other things, we, we do a lot of work for English as a second language uh, individually and for companies and so forth. And one of the things we like to say that we do is make uh, Christmas safe for parents around the world because um, 
we get a lot of instruction manuals and so forth, and uh, <laughs> from you know from from overseas manufacturers where the translation hasn't been the best quality, we'll say, and uh, we we try and clean that up as much as possible and and make it clearer so that you know exactly what it is you're supposed to do when you're assembling that uh, that toy on Christmas on, morning. On behalf of daddies everywhere, God bless Scribbly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've uh, I've got uh, three kids as well, and uh, we we've been through a few packages where it's like, what on earth are they trying to I say? I know, and well, and then you know the the, the other extreme is uh, is IKEA, which doesn't put any words on their instructions. You know, it's just just a little guy and a and arrows, and hope you can understand that. Right. Yeah, I've I've not had the pleasure or or uh, misfortune, I guess, depending on your point of view, of having to put together IKEA stuff myself yet. But uh, it's pretty I interesting. People, it's interesting. It's pretty interesting, and, and of course, it can be kind of fun. So I, I just open up, and this this may be uh, a strange observation about your own marketing, your uh, uh, Google ads. You're using uh, is it called remarketing? Yes, we are. <laughs> because I open up the uh, Duh Corporation, uh, DuhCorp dot com, and there's a Scribendi ad on it. There we are. We're there everywhere. You are. You're following me around the web. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Yeah, this well, this one it, you, it would be fun just to see what your people would do with this. I mean, th- this th- the language on here. You might not even know if you need us, which means you need us even more. <laughs> you don't understand how much you need us because you're not as smart as us. You don't understand things like continuous network access, compliance, upload speed. Yeah, that sounds about. We, we've we've had actual pieces like that. That's uh, uh-huh. so on on the uh, um, English as a second language. I think I think that's. Um, a really valuable service too, and and a really important note that, as we said earlier, your your editors, your employees are all native English speakers, so you can really help anybody that's working on getting through school, uh, maybe taking a job in an American or Canadian company, mm-hmm. uh, who grew up overseas speaking a, another language, uh, can be a pretty valuable service for them, wh- whether they're in academics or or uh, business. Absolutely, um, we have we we get the range from from this sort of thing. So we we have people who will send us uh, emails before they send them out to make sure that they're they're being clear and polite and and not misusing an idiom, for example, or or you know not making something that's going to be very embarrassing to them. Um, and then right on up to as we say, the, like the instruction manuals and, and user guides and uh, websites and, and so forth. Uh, we're we're trying to break into the Chinese market. Um, uh, but that's that's a tough nut to crack for a number of reasons, obviously, uh, not least being the the internet controls and the bureaucracy that's over there. But uh, uh, we we recently did a trade mission over there, and uh, the the quality of the English translation in some of these places uh, just just makes you want to weep. And uh, you know they you figure you, you know they're trying hard, but and they they don't know you know what what kind of a deal they've been getting with their translation. They're not being well served, unfortunately. So we'd like to be able to help them with that. So what what keeps that from happening? Some of you, some of your security measures, or I mean, what what are the what are the hurdles? In terms, of, well, just even knowing where to start advertising in China is is a big hurdle for for anybody going over there. Okay. Uh, it's a huge country, um, you know, more than a billion people. Uh, where do you reach your target market? What are the big publications to get into? Um, you know, uh, even being able to advertise on the the uh, search engine there, Baidu, is is tricky. You have to go through several levels of bureaucracy in order to get an account, get money over there, uh, fund the account, and then of course um, it's not just 
a matter of being able to translate whatever ads you're using on Google into Chinese. It's um, different different phrases, different expressions, and mm-hmm. you have to find a good translator to, to be able to help, help so you, you with that. you just about need uh, a, a Chinese version of Scribendi to help you market there. Yeah, almost. Yeah, we're we're consulting with a, a marketing firm, uh, and the, and the trick too is is also being able to advertise on Baidu. It's it's a specialized skill search engine marketing itself. Uh, so it's it's not only just knowing the language, but also what the keywords are and and how to to do that to get your your best return on investment. Very interesting. Um, now, what, what, I, I mentioned security and and um, privacy. I think that's one of the things that, that people always worry about. I mm-hmm. I, I think it's funny. I, I, I suppose it's not funny. It's certainly not funny to an author, but but authors are 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 uh, interesting about how they view their words, aren't they? They they think that someone is is always looking over their shoulder, ready to steal them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and now in business, you you can kind of understand that a, a competitive edge. You, you don't. You certainly don't want your competitors um, finding out what you're up to and and uh, seeing uh, some of the things that, that you're writing. So that that can be a concern for people, but you have some pretty strict controls about those kinds of things. We absolutely do. Um, we understand where an author's coming from for a start, because I mean, you know, any book uh, of any decent size, you you pour blood, sweat, and tears into it. Sure. It's it's a work of art. It's something you've, you've slaved over. It's it's very personal in most cases. So yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to, somebody saying, "Oh, that's a great idea. I think I'll have that." Thank you. No, um, you definitely want to make sure that there's some protection and privacy there. Uh, and in business, uh, very much it's the case that you don't want, you know, if you're if you're doing a startup and you want to stay stealth or you've got a business plan or, or even if you've just got internal documents that are not meant for public consumption, which most businesses do with, with regards mm-hmm. to their processes and, and whatnot, that, that all has to stay strictly confidential. So we have a, a couple of advantages uh, in, in that case. First of all, everything that goes back and forth to our website is encrypted, uh, SSL layer protected, 256-bit. So we're, we're talking bank machine grade encryption here. Mm-hmm. And the other aspect is that we, we have very strict privacy controls within the company in terms of who gets to access what and, and who is, is shown what. And uh, in addition, because we're located in Canada, um, documents are protected under something called PIPEDA, which is a, a privacy a bit of privacy legislation here in Canada that uh, is really strict about what you can and can't do with information and uh, and so on. So it it provides really good layers of protection for for clients who come to us. As as a as a marketer, I, I subscribe to lots of different uh, you know people's email newsletters and 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 things like that. And uh, there, there's a guy that that I get who talks about email and he his his whole thing is emailing every day and a couple of weeks ago I wanted to ask you about this he sent an email out that talks about whether or not uh, typos or misspellings are absolute no-nos in emails and he makes an interesting case uh, in his case where it's all personal he says sometimes sometimes you can use a misspelled word as a flag uh, you can you can use some some poor grammar as a flag to draw attention to people who uh, have that as a really hot button or a, a trigger point, uh, and and those people will email you back and be completely upset and angry with you. And his contention is you really don't want to work with those people anyway, so they just <laughs> raise their hand. <laughs> He's, said, he's trolling for, for I, grammar Nazis. That is what he's doing. Exactly, exactly. Um, and and I'm I'm just 
I bring that up just because I'm curious. Did did you grow up as a as a grammar Nazi? Is is that what Scribendi is all about? Is that is that part? Do you agree with him or or disagree? Uh, is there a middle ground somewhere, or is it is it all case appropriate? I I would say that my personal view is that you know you don't want to detract from your message. And as I said earlier about the the blog post, I mean, you don't want your first six comments on your blog post pointing out, you know, whatever errors that there might be. And I'm, you know, in my personal life, I don't go around pointing out people's grammar errors or spelling errors or anything else like that. Uh, my, my kids will tell you a different story, but, uh, you know, just in well, general yeah, that's... conversation, that's, that's quite another thing. Um, but you don't want to distract people from what it is you're trying to say. And it's just like, uh, you know, even with – you've got to think of it in terms of clothing. I mean, if you, if you see somebody walking down the street and they've got a, a bright blue mohawk or whatever, that's the first thing you're going to notice about them. And if you have a conversation with them, your eyes are going to be on the, the bright blue mohawk kind of uh-huh. thing. And uh, you're not necessarily going to be able to, to focus on, on what that person might be saying. And it could well be brilliant what that person's saying, but you're not going to notice. So, you know – I. There's a time and place for grammar correction, and it, when you're trying to say something important, I would say that's when it does have to be right there. Uh, if he's using grammar errors as, as troll bait, well, okay, maybe that works for him and his business model, but uh, um, I would say it's, it's, it's possibly detracting or distracting from other things he's trying to do. I, you know, I, I think you said it well. Uh, to me, um, I don't like making mistakes. Um, and and I, I usually can spot them fairly well. Uh, the, 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 I I don't, but I don't let them wig me out. But I also mm-hmm. I also um, you do kind of judge somebody on it depending on what it is and and how common or uncommon the word is. You know some of the ones that get that get misused a lot. Um, you you tend to whether it's right or wrong almost make a judgment about someone's intelligence. Yeah, you do either consciously or unconsciously. You do. Yeah, and so I, I think it always pays to to just not make the mistake in the first place, mm-hmm. yeah. or fix it if you can, if you know about it. Now, if if you're sending out something that's just really urgent and timely, and you know, man, I've got this email that I got to send out. It, it's a response that they, they need it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, not not even to wait 24 hours. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I I can see that. Um, but I, I, I just, I was just curious about that. I knew that we were going to be talking, and, and that one just kind of stuck in my mind. And I thought the, the other aspect of it too is that it's not so much that it reflects; um, it may reflect badly on on what it is you're trying to say, but it it also speaks to the relationship you have with the other person. In that, you know, if you if you take the time to have something checked or check it over carefully yourself, then you know you're taking care with that communication, and it's sort of an investment in the value of the other the receiver. Um, whereas, you know, if you just, you know, oh, pardon, pardon my errors or whatever, but here you go, then it, it comes across as, you know, you, you didn't care enough about either the message or the receiver to, to make that just, you know, extra little bit of effort. So, um, you know, it, it might well be perceived that way at the other end, whether you, yeah. whether you intend for it to be or not. And I, and I think it depends on the relationship and the history of it. Um, if, if you're someone who is known uh, for being a, a good writer, Mm-hmm. and a careful writer and there's a stupid mistake in something that you send out um, people scratch their heads and go well that, that's just strange coming from yeah, from yeah. them yeah. Um, at the same time if you're someone that's known for for, and, and let's let's say you just you have a relationship with people already and they know that you're brilliant in other other, other areas mm-hmm. 
you're very you, you know you're you're an expert at, at the field that you're in but you're not a writer right and so uh, if people know you that way i think i think you've got a little bit of of wiggle room there yeah you know I'm, i i can i could cut albert einstein some slack for poor grammar <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he, he had a few other things in his favor I would knowing say. what he was accomplishing in other areas yeah. <laughs> right so yeah. so i think it's all based on context too yeah for sure yeah well um so did we cover all the services i mean we, we talked about business that's probably the most important one to talk about here and, and i think um i've got to get to the uh business page on your website um because I, I think for for uh, for my listeners, um, that's probably I, I don't think I have very many um, um, master's candidates or, or uh, doctoral candidates uh, hanging out on the branding blog. I never know, but uh, I, I think business editing, business proofreading, website editing, um, and proofreading, and then blog editing uh, those are those are some pretty cool services that. Uh, a lot of a lot of marketers need to know about. Um, so the the proofreading and the editing, uh, the editing is the uh, uh, that's the higher level view of it, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. the the editing is is for the for the initial drafts and and so forth, and and making sure that the content is where it needs to be. And then uh, the the proofreading pass is, is something you do, you know, when you're ready to to hit publish and and get it out there. How would you uh, characterize the the service that you're going to be providing for us uh, on shortcut blogging? Because we're we're giving you a transcription, and your your uh, your people are going to be turning that into uh, into an article. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's going to be substantive editing, uh, depending on how many ums and ohs, uh, just like the the one I just uh, gave you right now, and changing that up so that it's it comes across better than spoken the spoken word because as you know the, the spoken word doesn't often translate well uh, to, to the page just verbatim and uh, it needs a, a little bit of cleaning up and making it flow better and getting rid of the awkward constructions and the pauses and all that kind of good mm-hmm. stuff so yeah that, that'll be a severely heavy edit on that one and and just pulling out uh, it, it may even maybe even rearranging some things or, or eliminating is, is, is sometimes the the path to take but uh, yes. we're, we're anxious yep. to see some of that work and and uh and get moving with it it's it's kind of in the in the baby stages right now but uh for sure yeah we're looking forward to it too because uh, the one of the things that, that people like about working for us here is that the the variety of, of subjects and interesting things they get to learn on a daily basis too and and uh you know, most of our editors are you know they they stay within a range of certain topics and so forth that they have expertise in but even within those ranges it's uh, there's an amazing variety and it makes it very interesting work um, this this is this is uh, I guess more of a shortcut blogging question, mm-hmm. um, and I'm assuming with with the the amount of experience that they have, they're pretty good at um, figuring out a person's voice, yes. a writing voice, and yeah. and editing and and um, making sure that what they're doing conforms with that writer's voice. That's right. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got their own particular style or or creative flair that they put to the writing. I mean, you know, someone who who 
who writes about marketing is going to be slightly breezier perhaps than than someone who writes about finance for example mm-hmm. and the, you know there's obviously a certain style and tone that's that's appropriate to the audience and audience factors into it as well i mean if this is if this is something intended for a more sober serious group of c level executives and that's one thing if it's you know designed to appeal to the new investors with uh, you know they're just a uh, new moms and dads with with kids trying to get on their feet kind of thing then that's a different tone altogether so those things definitely factor into the editing process it seems like we're, we're going to want to make the audio available to your editors as well yes because that'll that'll in addition to just the transcript uh if you can hear a person talk i think that makes a difference as well oh absolutely it, it gets across more of the the, the tone or the the feel that the the author or the presenter is, is trying to come up with and and because of the inflection and the emphasis given to certain things and and not other things, and you get a better sense of, of what what's sure. The yeah, is. You, yeah, you can read you can read the transcript and, and see all the words, but if you if you hear the actual ten minutes of audio, you're going to know what the the speaker felt was was more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll yeah. you'll hear that come through. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, well, we're looking forward to it. what uh, you you said that that your uh, your proofreaders and editors. Um, kind of specialize tell me a little bit about uh, a typical person that's that's working for you what kind of background what kind of education how did they meet you and is this for most of them of the 200 or so that you have is this their primary job or is it a sideline thing that they do for most of them it's their primary job what we do is uh, we have a pretty rigorous screening process what we do is we uh, invite anybody to apply of course and and uh, they they fill out a form on our website and then we put them through a few tests to start with and um, before we'll consider them we we need to ensure that they have at least a bachelor's degree if not uh, a master's or a phd Um, they've got to have experience in the field either as a writer or as a professional editor proofreader in the stuff that they want to do for us and uh, so we, we give them a couple of initial tests, and then what we do is we give them uh, what we call mock assignments. And uh, these are assignments that we have made up um, that look very similar to the types of materials that we do have. And uh, we say, okay, yep, go, go to town on this, and, and then we'll grade that. And and we're pretty selective. They have to have a, a really good score in order to be able to, to get past that. And then after that, we put them through our own internal pr- training program, and uh, then we turn them loose on the, on the website. So we have a fair number of hoops. And... Uh, a, a lot of checks and balances. I mean, are, 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 are do, uh, on a typical project, does, does more than one person look at it, or do uh, do you get people that are that good that, that you can you can just hand it off to one person and, and one set of eyeballs is enough? In general, because we encourage people to go through an editing pass and a proofreading pass, and they, they get the two the two different uh, editors and, and proofreaders and so on. In general, though, uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 a one shot thing, and, and they get something really good at the end. And uh, we also have uh, what we do is uh, random quality checks, so that nobody knows in any one time when they're going to get checked by our, uh, our reviewers. So they constantly have to stay on their toes, and they have to maintain a, a certain level of, of quality on our, our tests in order to stay on board as well. And are they are they typically uh, if if you have an employee that they're an editor or they're a proofreader? Yeah, yeah, they, they the other. specialize. Yeah, okay, yeah, because it, it is two different skill sets. Okay, and then the uh, for businesses the website editing. Um, tell me, tell me more about that, because that, that's a, that's really kind of a different animal. 
It is. Um, what we do with the website editing is we'll look, of course, at the public-facing text and make sure, so if it's an edit, we'll make sure that it's on message, it's grammatically correct, and, and so forth. We'll also have a look at uh, some of the tags that are not necessarily public-facing, but uh, initially on the website, but definitely public-facing in terms of how they come up in the search engine results. So your description tag, your, your head tags, and uh, your title tags on your, your site, and, and that kind of thing. So there's a little bit of HTML checking in there as well uh, with that, and then uh, uh, depending on you know, the depth of their, or the, the breadth of their site, uh, depending on what it is they want us to do, then we'll, we'll look at all of their material from the about page to the articles or, or whatever they need. Okay. Well, fascinating. I, I, I'm, I may have some people I'm going to send your way. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been fun. I, I think you've got a cool business, and, and uh, congratulations on 15 years of it. I, I think that's really exciting to, to start something and to, to be an entrepreneur that, that starts a business that lasts this long and, and grows the way uh, yours has. Uh, sometimes you hear about what, what people call uh, serial entrepreneurs, Right, they they, they yes, start a business yeah. and eh, that didn't work, so they start another one and and you know they say maybe one in seven or one in eight will hit, and um, sometimes I think that's uh, sometimes I think that's that's a good strategy. Sometimes I think well, it was either a business that that shouldn't have been started or they just didn't follow through or or you know there there was something there was something wrong there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so for you to to uh, find something like this and and uh, persevere for fifteen years, uh, to to have a company where you're you're employing two hundred people, I can't even imagine that. It's it's um, a different breed of animal than what you normally hear about these days, but uh, it works well for us, and and uh, we hope to continue. Out, out of the out of your out of that that staff, how many actually at the home office? We have about twenty here in the home office, and we just uh, we just hired two more in the last week, actually. Okay, so that that's a nice kind of kind of. It is. It's 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 big enough to be you know uh, get, get people in the mindset of, of how big the co- company at large is, which is uh-huh. important in terms of uh, you know running a business and, and getting that culture. Uh, but it's also uh, small enough that uh, you know you don't feel corporate all the time, and uh, you know th- things like uh, was it Office Space or The Office or whatever <laughs> that movie's called. So we're we're not to that point yet, which is good. Sure. All right. Well, it's scribendi and uh, in, in case you, well, I'll, I'll put a link to it in, in my uh, description on the site. But in case you're just listening, S C R I B E N D I, S C R I B E N D I dot com, Scribendi, just like it sounds. Then you got to tell me how you came up with that name. <laughs> it comes from a Latin phrase, uh, Cacoethes Scribendi, which means your urge to write. Your urge to write. Cool. Yes. Well, if you've got an urge to write and you want to, you want to get it right, uh, Scribendi is the place to go. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Chandra Clark, for being on the Branding Blog Podcast. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds fantastic. It's been fun. Uh, that's going to wrap it up this week for the Branding Blog Podcast. Uh, if you're not listening to us on iTunes, go to iTunes and you can subscribe and uh, carry the podcast around on your iPod, iPad, iPhone, whatever your preference is. And uh, go ahead and uh, leave a review there as well. That, that may help us uh, find a few more listeners, and that's always important. Be sure to share it with your friends. And again, thank you very much for listening to the Branding Blog Podcast today. I'm Dave Young. <laughs>